You know, cooking brisket is a time investment. Not only do you have to spend some time getting it ready to go on the fire, but depending on the temperature of your flame and the size of your brisket, you'll have to wait anywhere from eight to 18 hours for it to finish cooking. If I'm lucky, I expect my 17 pound brisket to take about 10 to 12 hours at 275 degrees. Of course, there's a lot of variables that could throw that off. The weather, the steadiness of the flame, the type of wood I'm using, and so on. But I will still have to wait, and wait, and wait, and wait. There's nothing I can do to get around the waiting process. In order to make this giant hunk of meat into a piece of beauty with a tasty outside bark and juicy inside, I'm gonna have to wait all day. Human beings are by nature impatient creatures. I suppose that's why we need the Holy Spirit to grow the fruit of patience in us. When we're left to our flesh, we're left with this constant internal nagging of when things are going to arrive. We want things to happen now, and because of that, we end up with all kinds of problems. Anxiety, sleeplessness, debt, anger, self-absorption, and so on. It's hard to wait, and sometimes understandably so. When Israel was kicked out of their homeland of Jerusalem and exiled to the nation of Babylon, they were told that the exile would only last for a time. Jeremiah prophesied that in 70 years, God would visit them, punish the nation of Babylon, and return them back to their own land. Ah, how hard it must be to be patient when you're forced to serve another nation in exile. But things seemed to heat up early. The temperature of the meat suddenly seemed to jolt forward. About 50 years in, Babylon was defeated by another nation, and Israel was told to go rebuild their temple. It seemed as though the prophecy was arriving early, and so, understandably, books like Ezra, Nehemiah, and Zechariah proclaimed that God's restoration was now coming as Jeremiah had said it would. But as time continued to pass, the fullness of that restoration never seemed to happen. Things slowed down hard. The temperature at which the meat was cooking hadn't changed, but it was almost as though the meat had just stopped warming up. And so, some 300-ish years later, Daniel asked God for an explanation as to what was up with those 70 years. They still had yet to be truly fulfilled. The archangel Gabriel appeared to Daniel and explained that those 70 years were more like 77s, or as the math would say, 490 years. <laughs> now that is quite slow, but at the same time, there is still hope ahead of their suffering, even if it's 490 years away. Now, we know what this is like, don't we? After all, Jesus told his disciples that though God was the only one who knew when the end was coming, he'd still thought that he'd be back before the generation died. And so the temperature of the meat began to rise. Jesus prophesied that before he returned, some people would pretend to be him. It happened. He said that there would be earthquakes. It happened. He said there would be rumors of war, and there were both rumors of war and actual war. He said that the second temple would be destroyed, and it was. And all of this happened by 70 AD, not a generation. 
Jesus' prophecies about his return were coming true. It seemed that the meat wasn't far away from reaching its full temperature. The brisket was done. The end was near. That's what it seemed like. And now, the year is 2020 AD. And many people are wondering what on earth is taking so long. I'm aiming to get my 17 pound brisket to about 203 degrees. This particular tough cut of meat needs lots of extra heat to get it as tender as we want it. Now, over the course of the first six hours, we're going to watch the temperature of this meat rise at a steady rate. But after about six hours, our brisket is just going to stop. Don't get me wrong, it's still cooking and the fire is still going, but all the signs that it's cooking are just going to cease. Somewhere between 160 to 170 degrees, our brisket is going to undergo what barbecuers call the stall. It's just gonna stop. It's, and this is because it's tightening up. And as it's tightening up, it's going to squeeze out both moisture and heat. So while the brisket is still cooking, it appears to stop altogether in moments like this. In fact, some stalls are so intense that your brisket may even drop in temperature while it's cooking. But if you give it a good two hours or so, yeah, two hours, eventually the stall will come to an end and the meat will begin to slowly rise to completion. It seems that the Christians of the New Testament thought that the final temperature was coming any second. They had good reason to. And they evangelized like the end of the world was tomorrow, even though they were still a long way off. In many ways, it seems to me like we're still living in that stall. Sure, a worldwide pandemic like Corona and all of our quarantining can make us think that Jesus is coming soon, and, and perhaps times like this do serve as a sign towards Jesus' return. But one, Jesus believed the world would be a lot worse and evil than this when the time came for him to return. And two, Americans tend to freak out about the end of the world every time we're handed a little sample of the suffering that much of the rest of the world is constantly going through. But regardless of what temperature our cook is at, the message remains the same. Jesus wants all to be saved, and he is coming back when God decides it's time. And so the message of Revelation and of all the Old and New Testament authors continues pushing us towards the hope of a new earthly creation and new resurrected bodies with the fullness of God's presence on the new earth. It is an incredibly biblical message to say that Jesus is coming soon, even if it seems that soon is a lot different than we anticipated. This message echoes with every generation of the church, especially in times like this. Repent from your sin and your old ways of life and come to a loving Father who graciously laid himself down for us. For Jesus is coming soon and he wants all to be saved. Revelation 21 to 22. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on his throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bulls full of seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance, like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal, had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, twelve thousand stadia, its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree 
were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. But the evildoers still do evil, and let the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. You know, we end these 1208 TV episodes with uh, the same shot every time. We're zooming out over Jackson and the words show up on the screen. His kingdom come, his will be done in Jackson as it is in heaven. And there's plenty of times where you look out over Jackson and you know his will is not being done. There's plenty of times where you see things happening where you're like, if heaven was here, that wouldn't happen. But the good news that the Bible presents us is one day heaven does come to earth in fullness. I, I've stressed this over and over again as we've gone throughout Revelation and in our Easter message. Heaven is not about dying and going up to some spiritual existence in the sky. The fullness of heaven is that one day we put on resurrected bodies. I know I sound like a broken record, but one day we do that immortal, imperishable, resurrected bodies, and we leave heaven to come down to earth, and in doing so, we make the new heaven. It's the grand reset button. Your Bible begins with the tree of life in Eden, and your Bible ends with the tree of life in the new Eden. Things are fixed. 
heaven does come to earth, heaven does come to Jackson. And there's different ideas that people have about the new creation. Some say that God's just gonna wipe everything away, start over, new planet, new all that. But others would say that uh, the new creation, as we've been installing heaven this whole time, all of that stays. And the new creation takes that and then perfects it even more. And that it's still this place that, that we know and love. And so there is this question I have sometimes. Will we see Jackson again? And when we do, will it be the fixed version of it, the perfect version of it, the imperishable version of it, where God's presence is so bright that there is no night, there's only Him? I look forward to whatever that day is, you know, and a lot of times we say that we, we don't know what the afterlife is going to be like, but we know the world now and at least some of that afterlife is going to be like what we know now, but perfected to the point that we'll recognize it enough, but probably not enough to understand anything we're looking at. So, Christians, be excited. Your place is with God in heaven, and His place is with us where heaven meets earth.